All right. Welcome in, everybody, to the Brokage's podcast, uh, episode three, I think, of the Titan, four, Titan four. four, episode four of the Titan Slayer series. Uh, we're going to start this one off by talking about Attack on Titan. Not an emergency podcast like it was last time, but still a pretty freaking good episode. Uh, George, why don't you lead us off by telling us where we start in this episode? Yeah, so we've basically started the episode entering uh, the memories of sort of Zeke, sort of Aaron, sort of their father. It's the, it's unclear whose memories, but we're following uh, their father, Grisha's life, kind of as he moves through Eldium. I think that's fair to say. It's unclear kind of whose who's, uh, frame of reference we're, you know, based in. Is it Aaron? But not really, right? Yeah, so that was a really bad job by you. Uh, I'll go ahead and take over. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, ouch. Second of all, how dare you? Third of all, fair enough. <laughs> so remember Zeke and Aaron are meeting at like the pillar, right? Like the meeting of time. So it's like this infinite world where the founding Titan and uh, Ymir like basically live and like uh, Zeke can use the founding Titan's power to like rewrite the Eldians at this point. Um, so if you remember from last episode, Zeke uh, basically was like Uno reverse card to Aaron. Like, oh, you're not in charge anymore. I am. These are fake chains. Now you're in chains. And now I'm going to convince you of my ideology because I'm a good brother. Good brothers. Don't let go. <laughs> they just put so, him in chains, right? That's yeah. all. Yeah. Basically, he imprisons him and is going to like basically brainwash him or yell at him or, you know, try to convince him to agree with his idea of euthanizing the Eldians. So we open basically with Aaron and Zeke going through Grisha's memories, right? So Zeke is trying to convince Aaron that he was brainwashed by Grisha. Is it Grisha or Grisha? I don't remember. Anyway, Aaron's dad. Um, <laughs> Daddy Jaeger. Daddy Jaeger. So Daddy Jaeger's memories uh, <laughs> is what they're, we're, we're going through at the beginning of this episode. Um, so now that I've fixed your shit show of a job explaining it. <laughs> well, first of all, we basically say, said the same thing. I just picked up at the second half of what you said. So I'll expect a handwritten apology in my mailbox next week. But until then, you know, work on the penmanship, please. But that's where we pick okay. up. Yes. Well, I can't read or write. That's why I watch anime and don't read manga. So that's not going to happen. So you're but... a dub guy then. That's what you're saying? Oh man, no, he got me. I'm a sub guy. All right, all right. Well, I'm still, not writing, you a letter. <laughs> still not writing you a letter. <laughs> so, anyway, Zeke is trying to convince Aaron of his own ideology and away from what he thinks is Grisha's ideology, and aka what Aaron believes. So, he wants Aaron to agree with him in his quest to basically euthanize the Eldians and end, suffer end their suffering, right? Because there won't be any more after this generation. Um, so, my one of my favorite parts of the episode is when Zeke is like trying to like basically convince him and shows him like 30 seconds of scene of memory yeah and I think it was like four memories specifically it was the fourth yeah. one yeah. and Aaron just like that deadpan looks at him and goes like yep you convinced me I'm no longer brainwashed we can stop now it was so apathetic and there was just so little effort he's like oh no yeah no you got me oh yeah let's go let's do it it's, it's like oh come on Aaron put in a little effort like try to pretend like you're a little bit worried or something right. yeah 
I could at least like be like, oh man, I'm confused in the third memory. And then the fourth memory would be like, you know what? You're right. Not just like, yeah, you're totally right. You got me there, man. It reminded me of my high school acting career. That's what it really is. Like no one in the audience was buying it. Which is like, you know what? Just finish what you're doing. Come on. That's, you know, I could, I identified with Aaron more than I have in the rest of the show since then. But I, I, I understood what he was putting down. I don't know, man. I was kind of feeling Aaron's vibes a little bit this show, but more on that later. So anyway, Zeke kind of looks over at him and just like stares at him for a little bit and is like, yeah, we're going to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Aaron. (laughs) Um, So they keep going. Uh, And the reason being is that like, you know, they're in this like time space where this is all happening in an instant, right? When Aaron is still alive technically, but his head is caught by Zeke. So they're like outside of the realm of reality in their own time space right now and can take as much time as they want. And to this point, we think Zeke is in control of this whole situation that's happening right now, right? Um, So one of the scenes that we see later uh, is actually uh, Grisha, or Daddy Yeager, as we like to call him here at the Brokage's podcast, uh, is like asleep on his desk, uh, looking cute and Adorable. uh, adorable. And uh, I think he just like written down a note to like uh, Aaron in his like journal in his basement and uh, is asleep. And then he's like mumbling to his in his sleep. He's like, I'm sorry, Zeke. And this is right after Zeke is talking about what a shit father he is because Zeke has very clear daddy issues. Um, He's like, I'm sorry, Zeke. Zeke's like, what? You're sorry. Uh, (laughs) No, impossible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So as we move through uh, this memory, uh, Grisha kind of wakes up and like seems to acknowledge like Zeke's presence right he's like looking at looking right at like what he should be as an ethereal being and being like Zeke is that you uh <laughs> he's like is he couldn't have been this bearded old guy that's not Zeke Zeke is so young totally and it also like Zeke looks like nothing like Daddy Ayer you know what I mean like he totally got his mom's jeans like Aaron at least looks like him yeah, no. Zeke is, Zeke's got that blonde kind of mane. He looks like a lion while Grisha and Aaron look far more, you know, their they're, they're far darker complexion and their hair and their eyes, you know, they have the straight lines. So um, it's very interesting, though, because what, you, what you start to see kind of in this scene is that you're, you're going through memories, but they're starting to kind of blend the now and the memories where they're, they're starting to interact in ways that you don't really expect. And you can tell that Grisha can see... Um, these characters if only for a second and you're kind of you start to be like hey what's going on here something you know I don't understand how this is possible um, or if this is actually memories or what's going on Um, and there are other things that start to break down right so as we continue to move through Grisha's memories things start to not really line up with how Zeke perceived them to happen right it turned out that he had found these the royal family far earlier than you know his attack on the royal family and him consuming the the founding titan holder right and so zeke all of a sudden zeke has no idea what's going on and aaron's just giving him again his like dead eye i'm going to murder everyone and i hate you i'm an angsty teen who (laughs) can't even give three fucks enough to pretend like i'm being convinced by whatever is going on right yeah yeah so we see some like moments that we've kind of seen before but in a different light this time right because before we saw him as flashbacks from like Aaron, right? Because that's like part of his attack titan power is that like, I guess they can 
you know, we always knew that they could see in the past with the with the memories of the Titan holders before them. Um, but the Attack Titan special because it can also seem to see future memories of future holders. Um, and we got the first hint of this actually from remember the owl that basically like let Grisha be free, like when he was supposed to be killed. He was like when they're sitting on that wall before he gives him like gives Grisha the um, Attack Titan. He's like make sure to save Armin and Mikasa. Um, and he's like, wait, who are they? Who are those, mem whose memories are those? Sorry, what? Um, yeah, <laughs> so that was like a power of the attack Titan that I totally forgot about, to be honest, until this episode. Um, but it plays a big, big role here. Yeah, um, and they, they frame it as an interesting thing that I kind of wanted your perspective on, an interesting power where it's it's a way to kind of keep the, the founding Titan and the royal family in check is how it's kind of fra framed later. And so I want to ask you kind of, do you think this power of memories of the future, which I believe is the, the episode name, actually, do you think it's how overpowered is it? And where do you think <laughs> it ranks in the kind of powers of Titans? Do you think it's like the ultimate power or do you think like, you know, it's only really useful in combination with other things? And really, I'd just rather have the Warhammer be able to go bonka bonka like, you know, <laughs> four human beings or whack-a-moles. Kind of where do you, do you, do you have it as an S-tier power or do you have it as kind of like a X-factor? Um, I, I would think it's more of an X-factor personally, um, because otherwise I feel like it would have been used prior to this um, to like assert dominance just because people are, in general are selfish. Um, that's my take on the world. Uh, <laughs> No, but, your take? The guy yeah. who agrees with Madara that all life is basically suffering, we'd all be better in a dream, has that take that people are selfish? That's impossible. Yeah, happy dream. It sounds kind of nice, you know? No more suffering, no more pain. I'm just saying Madara had a good idea. <laughs> but no, I think that it I think that, that specific Titan power, A, it's like very hard to control, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and B, like I think it takes like a very particular person in situation to take advantage of it you know it's like generations of planning is what we're seeing here basically um versus like the founding titan for example um has control could control all of the like mindless titans yeah. like if they weren't you know bound by the king's will mm -hmm. right so like if the founding titan wasn't bound by the king's will i think that that's pretty obviously like the the overall trump card of of titanhood yeah. um, wouldn't you agree or are you more of a balka balka kind of guy uh, well, so I think that it's an X factor, not only because it, you know, may not be as strong as others, but it, you know, if you're certain attack titans, attack titans, not attack on titans, um, you, it's a power that may actually control you, right? And, you know, may we're yeah. foreshadowing a little what happens in the, the episode, but it's not only can get in the way of kind of your own plans, but you're kind of subject to the whims of all of the previous and future holders of the attack titan, right? And you don't know exactly what they're planning to do or what they want to do oh boy. Uh, but yeah, yeah that's i i think it's um i think it was an interesting way to phrase it um that this you know this was this uh power is kind of used as a check on kind of the other nine main titans i guess eight main titans and like why the attack titan is always kind of the, the black sheep so to speak yeah well i think it also like sheds light onto you know and Shohan's our protagonist is always special, right? Mm -hmm. And for a while there, the Attack Titan, and, and probably because I wasn't paying too close attention to the show, they might have alluded to this, but it seemed just like, you know, a regular Titan with like regular fighting abilities. But like until he got like the hardening ability 
um, or like the uh, Hammer Titan. Like he wasn't like that much special. He wasn't like that special compared to like the Colossal Titan with his heat thing and explosion thing, or the Armor Titan with with for his obvious armor. Like all the other Titans had like something that was like more special to them and gave them an advantage in battle. But the Attack Titan, at least at the beginning of the show, was just like a, a big Titan, and then Aaron just like fought with it, you know. So I think that this is like the big reveal of like, all right, Aaron's special, and here's why. Yeah, and I think it's kind of interesting because remember the Attack on Titan is like first two seasons specifically had Aaron almost being a uh, a disappointment. He was like, mm-hmm. you know, he had Titan powers. He was the first kind of good good guy on the LDN's team to have these powers, and it's like, oh, this is gonna change everything. And he basically was just the cornerstone in a series of epic, you know, L's that the Eldians took for seasons one and two. And th- never things never really went right. Things were always going poorly and often because of his own fault. So totally. as he's kind of, he's kind of, as he started to grow into this, you know, I'm the chosen one. I'm special. Uh, I control things that they don't control me. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting I guess it's not super unique in the sense where a lot of shonens have kind of gone in this direction where people are, you know, supposed to be weak and then become strong. But um, right. I mean, that's it, just like a fun story, though, you yeah, know. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I do. I've always I always did appreciate an Attack on Titan, how kind of much of a nuisance almost Aaron was to the people around him specific specifically. Right. Like a, a Levi. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. He was like. A failure in several different instances remember like he was like biting his hands off because he couldn't turn into a titan when he needed to turn into a titan and then like you know he failed a couple of big missions and eventually you know he had some big wins like when he plugged up the wall and things like yep. that but yeah totally for you know attack on titan in particular it, it's kind of a slow burn of a show you know i i don't know if we've talked about this on air before but i think you mentioned that the first two seasons you felt like were a little bit slower um and weren't your favorite and that's like why you know i've long held that i think attack on titan is a masterpiece tier and i think that you've pushed back a little bit before on air um and i think that that was why if i remember correctly yes i just think that like attack on titan starting in season three and through now is like one of the top shows you know as people say it's like peak anime in some ways i think people forget especially because it started coming out nine years ago it's starting right. on 2013 i believe uh, that like season one and two were very exciting because they were new and unique, but they weren't as good. Like, and th- th- that's a big reason why it took so long for season three to come out and why they had to switch studios and things of that nature. Like, it, it, the show became really good, but I think people are gonna retcon in their mind that you know seasons one and two were these epic, amazing things. And I would just pump the brakes. Like, this is a show that is substantially improved, and you know has always had kind of strong interesting plot narratives uh but to say it's been like this for its whole run i don't think is looking at reality i think maybe if you're trying to go back in time like aaron yeager and look at your past memories and have him whisper in your ear like it's good and like listen i would have <laughs> aaron yeager is terrifying and not sane and so if he's whispering in my ear i'd first of all pee my pants and then second of all be like yeah every episode masterpiece best episode i've ever seen and then the next one comes and it's even better you know fine but Seasons one and two, much worse than seasons three and four. I think people would be okay in saying that. And we need Absolutely. to say more. I'm the hero here, much like Aaron Yeager, sort of. George hates Attack on Titan, everyone. If you're a fan of Attack on Titan, you hate George. <laughs> anyway. That's the takeaway here. That's the takeaway here. 
Anyway, uh, let's move back to, to this episode because this is a reaction pod after all. Uh, we'll probably do our like final thoughts once the season actually ends. So we should do like a big dedicated podcast to that, I think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think that, you know, after that scene that uh, Aaron's dad, Grisha, Daddy Yeager, uh, sees Zeke for the first time, you know, I had a few thoughts running through my head because at this point, you know, we don't have the benefit of, of foresight, right? So we're thinking like, I, I was thinking like, oh, is like Aaron somehow manipulating this? Because like Z- what Zeke thought was going to happen, which is having Grisha like have all these manipulative uh, moments with Aaron really didn't happen. Like Grisha was just kind of a good dad to him, which I think hurt Zeke on an emotional level because like, you know, Zeke felt abandoned by him. Like he, you know, put Zeke through so much and then ended up leaving him. Um, but it also kind of threw him through a loop because it's like, this isn't the narrative that I was trying to spin. Right. Um, so, all right, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And it was pretty funny too, because as we go through kind of the first memories before kind of the, the uh, borders start to kind of fade into each other, what you start to see is like, Zeke keeps pointing at the things that Grisha does, and he's like, look at him always trying to use his position to, you know, push his narrative. Like, look at him saving these people, trying to get closer to the king, when really he was just, like, being a doctor, like, (laughs) he couldn't, like, comprehend that this, his father could have been, like, a good dude that wasn't, like, trying to set the stage for things to happen. He's like, look at this guy feeding this dog, petting his dog, that's probably the king's dog, pat, 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 yeah, (laughs) wow, wow, dog, soon you'll just be a pawn in Grisha's game. (laughs) and you could just see the dread in his face he's like oh my god grisha isn't this like chess master he's literally just a good dude doctor who's trying his best right yeah he's just just a dad basically trying to be a good dad to aaron um but anyway i think that probably the most important scene to me um was basically grisha's like biggest role in this whole show like he had big roles before when you know he took the attack titan to uh paradise island and you know ended up passing it on to aaron but his biggest moment i think was when he basically slaughtered the entire uh royal family within the walls right and that that's been brought up several times aaron saw those memories of his father killing the the royal family and their children and it was very it was very gruesome um and very gnarly and like before you know aaron was like this disgusted me right like seeing those memories of what my father did like was my father like a horrible dude um, but then we see that scene as it played out through Grisha's eyes. And I think we get a very different perspective. Yeah. And um, I mean, so he, he, he arrives in front of the Royal family and Zeke's like, this is it. This is where dad is a bad dude. Papa Jay about to be the worst man of all time. And Grisha stands there. He's like, listen, Titans are coming. I've seen the future. You need to stop them. And the Royal family who are just, just absolute jerks are like, nah these people deserve to die it's our fault let's watch them and then grisha's like if you don't do this i'm gonna have to take the titan powers from you and they're like we're not gonna do it and we'll fight back and it like it it looks like they're gonna come to blows right and then all of a sudden grisha's like i can't i'm a doctor because remember we're all you know he's just a doctor at the end of the day that we've kind of learned he's not this scheming the scheming manipulate manipulator and he's like so he just get he gives up basically drops the knife that he was about to activate his own titan powers with and everyone is like what's going on and in enters aaron the fucking maniac psychopath (laughs) with you know this this ability to affect the past through his memories right and like uh you know have 
Grisha see his own future memories, right? And memories that we as the show watcher haven't even seen yet, or so it seems. Um, and Aaron basically is like, pick that knife up, you little bitch. <laughs> You're going to murder these children right now. <laughs> and like talks him into it, basically, in front of Zeke's horrified, horrified eyes. As Aaron's like, this royal family wanted to let all of the Eldians die. Eldians who had no memory of the atrocities, quote unquote, that they committed because the royal family took those, those memories away. And like Aaron feels like, you know, he, he mentions this earlier on in the show, but he's got big protagonist energy, right? He's like, you think that my father convinced me of these, of these ideals? I was born this way. I don't let somebody take things from me. I take it from them first. So Aaron's got some big protagonist kind of villain energy going on here. And this is like his, his crescendo, I think. Oh yeah, and the whole like the whole time as Grisha's trying to convince the the royal family to stop this thing, you can start to see like the true monster that Aaron is. It's like if you ever look at his face behind Grisha and while he's next to Zeke, it's like it's gonna give you nightmares. Again, like I feel like I've already used the term wet myself, but I was, you know, full on peeing my pants seeing Aaron Yeager just being a horrifying horrifying monster, right? Um, and then, as you said, right, as, you know, Grisha tried to give up, he just kneels down next to Grisha. He's like, you get you get up and you kill those people. And <laughs> this is your life now. And Grisha is like, you know, it, he, he snaps. And obviously so, because if you had Aaron in your ear the, the whole life, I'm sure you wouldn't be able to help it as well. Right, right. Well, and he also like, I think that they imply that not only is it Aaron's words that are making him do this, but he's also getting flooded with like future memories from Aaron's life that are kind of convincing him to do this, right? Because later after, you know, we, they spare us the scene where he's actually like crushing the children and, and killing the, the royal family. But later as Grisha walks out, you know, he's like, is this the only, is this really the only way? Is this the only way that we can save the Eldians? Aaron, why? He's like basically like pleading and he's like, you know, looking at himself, this, this man who he thought he was, which was like this healing doctor, like you said, would never kill children, wasn't able to do it even to save his own family. And then he has now committed this grisly murder of this entire family, including defenseless children, right? Um, so he's trying to reckon with that. And then they allude to that he's seen a lot more than what Aaron kind of, told us on screen um so i'm curious to see you know as the show goes on what exactly aaron showed him you know to convince this guy who was supposed to be a healer to be uh a killer yeah i mean it's this brutal scene afterwards where he's basically just stumbling like a crazed maniac out of the church and he's like what have like what have i done the, like what does this future hold he's you know just genuinely losing his mind and then he you know revealed to him is adult zeke and throughout the entire episode we start to see that he actually really really struggled with uh the decision to leave zeke behind and he had like been mumbling in his sleep like i'm so sorry zeke uh when he thought he saw him in the basement that we alluded to earlier he was like you know super excited to see him for a second and now he sees zeke again zeke becomes apparent to him and he he hugs him he's like crying and he's like i'm so sorry everything i've done for you right and it's like this you can see zeke is like welling up and every, all of his misconceptions about grisha have kind of been 
destroyed but then you know Grisha leaves him with this this harrowing message which which if Luke you want to kind of explain what uh what Grisha said and then what you think it implies for the future episodes right yeah well so this isn't ex- like an exact quote but he said something to the tune of I saw Aaron's memories of what comes next but I never imagined it would be so terrible yeah so even this guy who was like kind of the leader of the resistance back in Eldia like i never imagined it could be so terrible what we would have to do and he's like i'm sorry zeke from here on out only aaron gets what he wants so (laughs) you know like zeke thought that he was in charge and then i guess aaron has an uno reverse card to his uno reverse card that he played last episode (laughs) now aaron's in charge again um and i think that this whole like last ending crescendo gives us a lot of questions, you know, some that are like kind of old about like time travel and this like circle of uh, memories. Cause it's like the, the guy that we thought set this all in motion, Grisha Yeager uh, actually seemed to have just been playing out Aaron's desires, right? That's what we find out this episode is that Aaron was actually in control this whole time, right? He wanted the, the Royal family murdered, um, not Grisha. Uh, and it was kind of Aaron's memories that have been, building up this entire uh, narrative to this point, right? So Aaron's really the mastermind behind everything that's happened in the world so far, Um, which kind of builds the question of like, you know, these memories affected Aaron and led Aaron to do the things that he did, but Aaron's memories are the ones that, Aaron's later memories are the ones that affected him. So it's like, you know, which one came first? And that's just the problem with any time travel that doesn't ever actually make sense or like have an ending. but you know that's trying to reconcile linear time with like a, a circular path. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, George? <laughs> yeah, well, my first thought is how dare you try to you know affect us with your scientific brain and your logic and your hurtful words? It happened because it happened, okay? <laughs> I thought. <laughs> well, another thing on that, on little science, little science question for you: the the people who have been living behind the walls for like hundreds of years. The royal family has been and there's like eight of them there's like eight royal family members like any family tree if it's gone back hundreds of years there's hundreds of them at this point there should be hundreds of people who are related to the royal family within the walls just killing eight little kids does not make any sense for eliminating <laughs> the royal family there should be just like people like running around don't think that they're related at all but they're like 128th royal blood you know so like i don't know unless there's just like constant incest going on with the royal family i don't know what they're implying but anyway go on with your point (laughs) okay captain statistics why don't you just calm down over there i thought it was uh an interesting not for time travel wise but i think it was kind of interesting in the sense where part of the reason then that aaron actually goes like oh you've convinced me so apathetically is because he has to know that he can't um he has to keep living through the memories because he has to get brought to Grisha's memory at some point so that he can, you know, kneel down there and tell him, like, Rocky's coach, like, get off the mat. We're getting a few more punches in, right? And so so maybe that was actually tr- the the truest acting of them all was he was just pretending to be like, no, stop. But really he's like, keep going. We're doing this thing, right? And oh. well, but then he he was later like, "We're doing this thing." When like Zeke was like, wanted to take a pause to like talk to like be with his dad, who like noticed him, and Aaron was like, "Next memory, Zeke, we're moving on." <laughs> it was real, Captain. I think the movie's called Captain Phillips. Like, I am the captain now. At some point, just okay, Aaron. Like, Aaron <laughs> just takes over the driver's seat, and we're we're going whether we want or not, right? 
Totally, totally. Yeah, that's that's a good comparison. I love it. <laughs> so where do you think we go from here? Where do you think? Uh, what do you think kind of happens? Do you think that you know the carnage that Grisha has seen? They've been like Zeke. Please try to find a way to stop Aaron. Uh, do you think that that's partially you know we're on track for some sort of rumbling? Do you think that's inevitable at this point, or where do you think we kind of go from here? Well, so little little point of correction. He doesn't say Zeke, please find a way to stop Aaron. He says Aaron, please stop. Because <laughs> I think that like at this point we're like, oh, Zeke doesn't have any control, at least according to Grisha, because he's like, I'm sorry, Zeke. From here on out, Aaron gets what he wants. Yeah. And he's like, Aaron, please stop. And that's like the last scene that we see in the memory. Um, so I actually do think like that's my leading contention right now is that the opening song that we all, as we all know, fucking slaps, uh, the rumbling. I think that's what Aaron's going for. I think that like, you know, the obvious plan was the plan, I guess, you know, I think that Aaron wants to, um, loose the Titans of the walls and kind of go crazy on civilization that has been, uh, attacking the Eldians at this point. Yeah, and just a quick, uh, you know, quick aside before we continue on that is that the the theme song, which I think is titled "Rumbling," actually made the U.S. hard rock chart number one. So that song that we've been alluding to, the absolute banger, also now, ha- you know, much as Demon Slayer was the number one movie in America, anime is taking over America. We now have a number one Billboard hit, and somehow our podcast is still woefully under listened to (laughs) listen uh much like it took anime anime a decade plus uh of even us watching it for it to get really excited eventually like listen their their crunchyroll's coming with the money the viewers are coming with their ears it's inevitable Uh. (laughs) much like at this point it seems the rumbling oh see with connections like that how can we not get sponsored how can we not (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. We're just giving this A1 content out for free right now. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> anyway, George, do you have any other theories besides that Aaron's just going to lose the rumbling? Is there any other mastermind thoughts that you have that he could come up with? No. So I think I personally think it's inevitable that this is happening for a few reasons. One, we spend so much time with that kind of the flashback of him murdering the people who attacked Mikasa. And he's like, mm-hmm. I, if they try to, and he's been on this, like, if they try to take my freedom, I'll take theirs, like, narrative for so long. It's like, that right. seems like it's going to happen. And especially because it would, it's kind of the only decision that would make him alienating Mikasa and Armin uh, make so much sense. And I'm also, as just a fan of the show and as someone who wants to see uh some some cool shit i'm very excited the rumblings happening because i want to see the rumbling animated are you (laughs) are you kidding me Uh, i agree agree with you i feel like that's like i mean they'd probably rush through it with like some time skips though but like you know if they wanted to make this final season a part three and four they easily could if they were going to go through the rumbling of like titans basically going through the entire world and like fighting all these wars but yeah i think that that, that's my leading theory as well i don't know what else aaron would do um why do you think that that would make sense with alienating armin and mikasa though do you think that that's just to like allow them the moral superiority of not causing this or what do you think that that is yeah and i think so that they don't feel the need to go down this like dark horrible path with them right um i think he wants to be an enemy to the world um, but like what he's about to do is horrific things that Mikasa and Armin would never agree to. He's kind of trying to go like full Sasuke. He's like, I'm going to help save the world by being the enemy of all the people. Um, but, and I think he's trying to soften the blow of like, listen, I'm going to go 
kill everyone on the other side of the ocean. Um, and he, I don't think he wants to, he wants to protect Mikasa and Armin. That was like the whole point of it. And this is like, either they go with him to try to fight this war and lose themselves and see all of this, or, you know, Aaron finds a way to keep them aside. And I think that was his best strategy to do so. I like that thought. I like that thought. Um, so a couple more questions before you, before we go, uh, weekly check-in. I think we forgot last week, but we're back on it. Is Aaron insane? No, I mean, like, listen, he's doing a logical thing. Some bad things have happened to him. He's gone through a lot. Like, I think there's, no, he's insane, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't know if, I don't know if we have to keep hitting this button, but he's, I mean, look at the face he makes all episode. He looks like me when I'm hangry, right? It's, it's He needs a Snickers or something because he's not him when he's angry. And he's been angry for about... 15 straight episodes now so yeah i was gonna say i feel like he is him when he's angry i think that's the whole point of his of his speech is that he's always angry <laughs> it's kind of cool we're seeing, you know we're seeing the birth of a of a war criminal so uh any final thoughts that you want to wrap this uh this one up with george yeah do you feel like um what's the right word aaron yeager is a bit derivative of the hulk at this point because if you remember from that first Marvel movie when the Hulk's like, how do you not be in the Hulk? And he's like, I'm always angry. And then he turns into the Hulk. And that's like, he's always angry, so he never is the Hulk. And now Aaron Yeager is always angry. I'm just out here to try to, you know, fan some flames, if you will. Does Attack on Titan steal directly from the Hulk, yes or no? Uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, uh, and I don't feel like I need to justify it. Is it because <laughs> he's not green, yes or no? You know, that's part of it. It is. I, th I think Attack on Titan has a lot more depth than the whole movie. That's so, fair. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch Attack on Titan again, and that's where I'd leave it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would finish Attack on Titan. That's where I would go. <laughs> I mean, poor Edward Norton, who didn't even get to keep his job after the Hulk movie, and then they moved on to Mark Ruffalo. I think that says enough. I haven't seen Aaron Yeager's voice actor be recast yet, so that's all that's I'm sure. That's true. Unlike certain someone that we'll talk about in the Demon Slayers episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for listening, anybody. Unless George has some final closing thoughts that he wants to throw in, uh, I just want to say thank you to the citizens of Brunoha. Excuse me. Yeah, so thank you to the Goat Kages. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, thank you all for <laughs> catching in. You know, follow us on Twitter at Brokages Pod to see some hilarious uh, tweets, or you can, we have an Instagram too, which I think is the Brokages Podcast. Uh, we'll keep. We'll keep on kind of keeping on with this Attack on Titan recap show. Eventually, we won't be able to call it Titan Slayers because we only have about three more episodes of Demon Slayers left. And so we've been talking about where to pivot and just to give you guys a peek behind the curtain, as Luke always likes to say, as if we have many, many curtains that are that need peeking behind. But because uh, the JJK movie has been announced for the United States and in English for March 18th, uh, we're going to try to actually do a rewatch podcast once Demon Slayer ends of Jujutsu. Kaizen. So we're still thinking of awesome podcast names for that series. But until then, uh, we'll see you on the other side of this break to recap Demon Slayer. Luke, why don't you play us out? Damn it. Um, <laughs> okay. I hate when you do that, dude. <laughs> <laughs>